Welcome back to the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com. I am your host, Tyler Martin, and tonight I am joined by BamaCentral.com writer Joey Blackwell. Um, listeners, we are trying a new thing for our podcast. We're going to release episodes in two parts. One with myself and a BamaCentral.com writer or editor on Tuesday, and then I will release another episode on Thursday with a special guest. This week's special guest on Thursday is Luke Ratliff, president of Crimson Chaos. He will join me to talk some Tide Hoops along with uh, just rest of college basketball news and what's going on nationally and what's going on in the SEC. Um, and we'll get into a little bit about you know his background and things like that. But first, for the for today's episode on Tuesday, I am joined by wait, I'm joined with Joey Blackwell. Joey, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing okay, Tyler. How about yourself? I'm doing good, doing good. Just you know, busy weekend. Uh, you know, we had the basketball game Saturday. Recruiting National Signing Day is just um, you know, and this will release on Tuesday. National Signing Day is Wednesday, so gearing up for that. But uh, but let's go ahead and dive into it, Joey. First, I want to ask you, you know, the Super Bowl. What did you think about the Super Bowl? We want to give a shout out to uh, to Reggie Ragland, who got a ring, also along with practice squad member Gary Dieter, and uh, you know, two two former UA guys um, who contributed, who was on championship teams here, and now they've succeeded at the next level, at the highest level. So, Joey, what, what were your thoughts during the Super Bowl? I know you're a Seahawks fan, so you're probably happy. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty happy. Uh, the 49ers didn't. You know, just any opportunity for the 49ers to to not advance too far, um, made me ha- or not advance the next round, makes me happy. And um, <clears throat> I thought it was a good game. Uh, I thought, you know, I was watched it with a couple of friends, and we were in the fourth quarter, and my friends kept talking about how you know you can never really count the Chiefs out because they've come from behind in every playoff game this year. And you know, sure enough, they did it again. And happy for Mahomes in his second year, um, you know, winning the Super Bowl as well as the MVP award. It's going to be really uh, fun to watch his career because it can only, <clears throat> it's looking like it'll only get even better from here. <clears throat> yeah, you know, truly, truly, he pulled off some Mahomes magic on Sunday night. Uh, you know, down 10 with seven minutes left. Um, they were just scoring in bunches. And, you know, I thought there were some calls that kind of went against the Niners. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, there were, some, there were some calls earlier in the game that went against them that could have hurt them. It could have helped him later on, but, you know, the Niners didn't get the job done when they had to. Jimmy G missed Emmanuel Sanders on that big pass play, um, but you got to give it props. you got to give props to, to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid for sure. Yeah, and I was thinking of Andy Reid, yeah, it was very – you know, he's, he's had such a long career in the NFL, and he's never had a Super Bowl victory, so it was really good to see the big man smiling, and hopefully he enjoyed that, uh, that cheeseburger last night after the game. <laughs> but the Alabama twist on this, though, makes it – um, you know, the Chiefs winning makes it eight consecutive seasons. The Alabama Crimson Tide has had a member, an active member, on uh, the Super Bowl winning roster. So um, that's that's it. That's an impressive feat to just the, uh, the machine and factory Nick Saban is producing with these NFL uh, players. But, Joey, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, <clears throat> let's get into the bad news before we get into any good news. And, you know, I'm on my way to one Coliseum to, to watch Alabama-Arkansas. And I get an email saying that, you know, Herb Jones has undergone wrist surgery for a fracture. And uh, and it was it was surprising news. I mean, I, I know he took a hard fall in the LSU game. And there was a photo that kind of went viral of him with an ice pack on it after the game. But you, you thought, okay, maybe, maybe it was just some, you know, 
he can he can weather the storm a little bit. But no, it appears he's going to be out three weeks. That's what NATO said after the Arkansas game. Um, what was your initial reaction to the news, Joey? My initial reaction was that's a huge blow to Alabama. Herb, so far as this year, has been one of Alabama's best defenders. Um, it's he's been a great at defending in the paint. You know, playing both forward and guard position. Um, <clears throat> he's, I think, I believe he's also ranked uh, second on the team in rebounds, the 120. And especially in a game like LSU, they really needed him to <clears throat> to perform with all the with the domination of the glass that LSU had um, on them. Um, that was also one of the keys um, in, the, in the Arkansas game as well. He was clearly missed because of you know the lack of rebounding that happened in that game as well. Um, but like Oates said, you know he's out for three weeks. He apparently um, Oates was talking about how he apparently injured his um, wrist earlier this season in the opener against Penn. And apparently this fracture was kind of a, a re-aggravation of it that kind of obviously went to the next level with a fracture that required surgery. But a, a big loss, you know, for Alabama at this time of the season. This is the time of the year where you need your, you know, your starting five to be at full strength. And um, this is definitely going to set Alabama back moving forward for the rest of this season for sure. Yeah, and I know I, I believe he did hurt the wrist in that pin game. But I know also he was dealing with an elbow contusion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Pat Bradley of the <clears throat> SEC Network, I was watching SEC Now. This was, I believe, Wednesday. It was right after the Alabama LSU game. He said it best. He said, February, you're going into the month of February. This is the money-making a month for a lot of coaches. Um, this is when you really hit your stride as a team. And for the first game of February, Saturday, Alabama faced off against Arkansas and lost 82-78. to um, and a game where they led twelve to nothing to start the start the game. I mean, Arkansas had used two timeouts before they even got a single basket. And you thought for a moment there that Alabama was was maybe you know maybe he's going to cruise to a victory. But as we know, mm-hmm. um, that that did not happen, Joey. What was um what, what was your initial thoughts maybe of the first half and that opening start that Alabama got in that game? Well, if we're talking purely about the first half, I thought Alabama played really well in the first four minutes. You know, Nate Oates really has kind of reiterated and ingrained in his players they need to play well for the first first four minutes of the, and the last four minutes of each half. I thought they did really well, um, at least in those first four minutes. <clears throat> but, unfor- but unfortunately for Alabama, they kind of slacked off. Um, Arkansas was really good on the glass, just like LSU was. Um, I believe they out-rebounded them on the whole game. They out-rebounded them. Let's see. Um, actually, Alabama out-rebounded um, Arkansas here. But those those rebounds were, were huge for Arkansas. And it doesn't hurt Arkansas. They had two huge games from both Jones and Witt Jr. Um, Alabama needed to contain those two. And if they had contained those two players, Alabama would have probably won pretty handily because Alabama, of course, had four players in that double-digit margin, including a 28-point game by Shackelford. But <clears throat> whereas if you look at the Arkansas stat line, I mean, Jones had 30 and Witt Jr. had 26, but nobody really else on the team had a great game. But I think that also, once again, kind of goes back to Herb Jones. Herb Jones has been the solid defender this year, along with Alex Reese, and having Herb Jones out is definitely hurting this team right now. Yeah, you know, I, I love what JV and Davis said after a game. He's like, Herb is an everything guy. He does it all. You're like, Herb's, Herb's, he's diving on the floor for a loose ball. He's crashing the board for a rebound. He's doing the little things 
um, that you have to do in order to win. And, mm-hmm. and you know, he, I, I would obviously assume, and I would think that Herb would have covered Mason Jones for most of the game. And now Mason Jones is a, obviously one of the SEC's best scorers. He's top three in scoring in the league. <clears> and he's very efficient. I mean, he's 50, he, hit, he hit 10 of his 20 field goals, and he was 4 of 7 from beyond the arc. Um, you would imagine that Herb would have been on him, and Herb probably would have, um, you know, put, a, put an extra hand in his face or, you know, contested some of their shots, and, and maybe he doesn't get 30. Maybe he only gets 25 in Alabama wins. So, you know, maybe something like that. Now, some of the shots down the stretch that Witt Jr. was hitting, I mean, it, it was kind of crazy. I mean, he was hitting 20-footers, you know, turnaround jump shots. You know, he was 11 of 19, and uh, and it was just, I don't know, it, from, the, from the Alabama standpoint, I can see where it's frustrating when, you know, you've got a hand in his face because I think, I mean, Javion Davis had the, had the, you know, was covering him for a lot of the times. And, I mean, Witt Jr. would put one move on him, and bang, he would he would hit a, you know, a little jumper um, from the, you know, mid-range jumper. And then, uh, just, you know, to go on with that Arkansas, you know, they didn't hit a lot of their threes. They were only, you know, 6 of 16, but they hit the threes they needed to hit that were, they, they were timely. And, you know, one that I'm thinking of was when Alabama cut it to one with about a minute and a half or something left. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was, it was Harris. Jalen Harris hit one in the corner that extended the lead to four and, and really put the nail in the coffin. And, you know, that was just a lapse on defense. I mean, he was wide open. And you know what? Nate Oates, that was probably the most distraught I've seen him after a game this season um, because you could – I mean, his face was just reeked with disappointment and uh, a little bit a little bit of anger too. Well, Oates is probably starting to get a little desperate in that he's he's been limited with a roster. Going into the season, he was already limited with a roster with – with Javon Quinterly not being eligible, with you know Jawan Gary and James Rojas all being ineligible, all being hurt, um, and then now of course you have Beetle Bolden's been sick with that gastrointestinal illness. You have, <clears throat> of course, now you have Herb is out. Um, I believe it was Hawkins. Uh, was it Hawkins? Yeah, Hawkins has had the flu, so he hasn't been available. So Alabama has been limited to seven. Was been limited to seven players or eight players the past few games, and that's really not helped them in the in the the final four minutes of the first and second half. And that these players are are getting gassed just because there's you know it's hard enough to play with you know eight or nine like they have been, but playing with seven players and having to constantly rotate them in and out and get them all. A lot of minutes is definitely starting to starting to weaken them. Ken Palm, Ken Palm has a luck statistic. Listeners, you've probably heard of it. Alabama yeah. ranks three hundred and twenty seventh out of three hundred and fifty one to three hundred fifty three Division one teams. Um, this category takes into account the deviation between a team's actual winning percentage and what one would expect from a game by game efficiency. Essentially, a team involved in a lot of close games should not win or lose all of them. Those that do will be viewed as lucky or unlucky. So that Alabama is one of the most unlucky teams this season, and I mean it's I mean it's honestly a program that's been kind of kind of marred by that the last few seasons. Um, you know whether it be injury, and you know Alabama's about to face Tennessee, and Tennessee they're in need of a huge win. I mean they just got the doors beat off them by Mississippi State, and the big man for them, one of their centers, Yervos Plav. Plasic. I mean, I, I can't even pronounce his name right. I'm sorry. I probably butchered that. But, you know, he gets cleared. Middle of the season, he gets cleared by the NCAA. He's a transfer from Arizona State. He gets cleared, right? And then you're sitting there wondering, why is Javon Quinterly, after what all he's been through, not cleared? And um, I'm, this ain't this a time to rant on the, in the NCAA, but um, it's kind of baffling to me 
who they give eligibility to and who they don't. Because um, I look at that situation, I'm just like, man, if Alabama would, I mean, if, if you just give them, if you give them Quinterly, I, I would say, I mean, probably you give them Quinterly, they probably win that Arkansas game, and they probably win a couple earlier ones they lost in the season too. And it's just, like, <laughs> it's incredible the impact one player can have. And when you have all those players you just mentioned, Joey, miss a combined 48 games this season, that's just, that's a tough blow. I mean, that would be hard for any team to come back from. It'd be hard for any team, and it just reminds me of players like, I don't know, Souza for, 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 for Kansas, who, you know, received payments from Kansas, was found guilty, and was suspended for a season, came back. Of course, then we all know what happened with him in the chair uh, at the, again, in the game against Kansas State, and now he's out for this season, too. But you have players like that. It's understandable to have them suspended for a season, but then you have players like Javon Quinterly, who, you know, didn't, you know, the, 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 Breaking of the rules um, were far more mild in this scenario than they ever were with players like that. And the fact that he's ineligible this season when you see all these other players that are still out there currently playing this year, just it doesn't make sense. I, and it's it's not against the the, the only thing I understand if they if they um, deem Quinterly ineligible this year. But my issue with the NCAA so far this year is there has to be some form of consistency. Um, if you're going to suspend somebody like Quinterly, then you have to suspend everybody else. If you're going to deem Quinterly eligible, then you have to make everybody else in this situation eligible. But it seems that the NCAA has been picking and choosing on an individual basis who uh, who is approved and who isn't, and that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me or the Alabama fan base or a lot of other people. Yeah, moving forward, Joey, um, you know, in the, in the LSU game, Jaden had 23 in the Arkansas game, Jay Chaffer had 28 points. Is Alabama going to have to expect these kind of performances from him moving forward? Um, because, you know, he's been up and down throughout the season. And I think, you know, well, expecting him to drop 20-plus points, that's, that's, a, that's a tough ask. Um, and, it, you know, obviously in a tough league like the SEC. But what's Alabama going to have to need in order – what, what, what do they need, Joey, in order to maneuver this uh, February schedule? Well, the immediate need right now is for Petty to is for Petty to play like he was a few weeks ago. Um, John Petty these past couple of games has had single digit points uh, coming out of nowhere. Um, he w- was one of the team's most reliable players as far as scoring points goes, but now he's been a bit of a slump. He's still doing relatively well rebounding and and on defense. I mean, he's kind of picked up a lot of slack. Um, that's that's you know there since. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here. He's kind of picked up the slack, you know, with, with Jones gone. But at the same time, that the most immediate need right now is, A, for players to be healthy, and B, for John Petty to step up and assume the role that he, you know, was taking on, you know, in stride earlier this season. If those two things don't happen, it's going to be a long rest of the season for Alabama. But on the bright side, if they're able to get that, if they're able to take care of those two things, I think this is a you know, this is still a great team, um, given all the obstacles they've had to overcome with injuries and eligibilities, <clears throat> and a pretty tough schedule. Um, but you know, you know, like I said, on the bright side, even if things can't be turned around, which I believe they can, um, next next year with all the players that are coming in and all the players that won't be injured anymore, and Quinterly will be will be available. I think next year will be something really special. In terms of what's left on the schedule, Joey, obviously we got Tennessee Tuesday nights, Georgia at Auburn, LSU, A&M, Adult Miss, at Mississippi State, South Carolina. 
You're going to miss Herb Jones the rest of the month of February. What does Alabama have to do over these next three weeks to position themselves for an NCAA tournament bid? <clears throat> well, I think it starts with it starts with beating Tennessee. Um, ten, like you said, Tennessee is really it really needs a big win, and I think a win over an Alabama team would be just that. So if Alabama can overcome Tennessee and hold them off in a close one, I think that's big. Um, they need to win the easy ones too. They can't keep these easy games close. Georgia is struggling this year. They've they've had a really hard time against opponents that are at their level or higher. Um, so Alabama needs to win those easy ones like Georgia, Auburn. You can really, you can really if the team has been playing like they've been playing this, this past week, um, Auburn you can go ahead and count that as a loss. Um, LSU <clears throat> when LSU comes to town February fifteenth, that's another big game. Um, it would be nice. It would be huge for Alabama to pick up a win there, but LSU looks nigh unstoppable right now, um, especially with how they how they are dominating the glass, and that's been Alabama's weakness this past week. Uh, but and then you have the games of Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Like I said, those games that are where the teams are at your level, those are the teams that they really have to beat moving forward. Because if they, it's expected to lose at Auburn, it's expected to lose against LSU. But if you keep losing these games where the opponents are below or at your level, that's going to look really bad on your record. And you, not very many teams that lose te- lose to teams like that are going to make it to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and and the Tennessee one is almost an elimination game of sorts. At Georgia, you know, with her out her there, who guards Anthony Edwards? But, you know, the, I mean, you would think that at Auburn game, you chalk that up as a loss just because Alabama does not play well in Auburn Arena over the last few years. And the Mississippi State game um, in Starkville at the end of February, uh, that's a tough ball game. Uh, Alabama does not play well in Starkville. And, uh, and Mississippi State is playing some of the best ball in the SEC right now, probably outside of LSU and Auburn. So, yeah, tough, tough, tough sledding for the Crimson Tide over the next few weeks without Herb Jones. But it is doable. It is doable. I, I think in the next – let's see, there's there's three – there's eight games left in the month of February. I think Alabama can go 6-2 and two over this next stretch. Um, and I think that they go 6-2 and two in this next stretch and they beat Vandy, they beat Missouri in March, guess what? You position yourself well for a tournament bid without having to rely too much on success in the SEC tournament. No, I agree. I, I think I, I think they can go six and two. Whether they will or not, I'm not quite so sure. But I think they can definitely go six and two if if Herb will be out. But if Petty can pick up the slack and and turn on his offensive game again, and and Jaden Shackelford keeps lighting up the net like he's been doing, I think I think Alabama will be just fine. And as we begin to wrap this up, Joey, you are BamaCentral.com's baseball writer. So, uh, you know, I might as well, you know, baseball season is like, what, a week away? I mean, uh, yes, the, the opening series against is, is a week away. It's uh, Valentine's Day, February 14th. That, that's the first game. Yeah, so let me ask you about the team real quick. Um, you were at the media availability on Monday talking to Coach mm-hmm. Bohannon. What um what are what are some things you're looking forward to seeing from uh from Alabama baseball this season, and um you know and and they play in a tough 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 SEC West, but what is what is your expectations for them, and then what do you think the ceiling is for this group? 
<clears throat> well, you know, you talked to coach talked to Coach Bo today, and he's very excited about his offensive firepower and his fielding. Alabama has a lot of returners coming back that were key players last year that have only improved since last season. Alabama, of course, went thirty and twenty six last year. I think this team, you know, the, the the one the one issue that's a lot of this you know probably caused some problems is their is their pitching and their rotation. Um, a lot of young players this year. Um, Coach Bo was quick to point out today, which is a pretty startling fact, that um, on their entire pitching roster, only um, they only have a combined two SEC wins um, from previous years. So that's a pretty big stat line right there that's kind of glaring at you if you're looking at their pitching and their rotation. Um, so <clears throat> I expect this team to do similar to what they did last year. They came out of the gate really strong in non-conference play, did really well. But, you know, as Coach Bo was talking about today, it's really hard to perform in a conference when, you know, seven or eight of your team of the teams are in the top 15, top 20 in the, in the, in the country. Um, and the SEC is a really competitive conference. Arguably, it's the most competitive uh, – SEC baseball is arguably the most competitive of the sports. Um, when you have teams like Vanderbilt and teams like LSU, <clears throat> you have some great ball clubs. And – Talking to Coach Bo, he's very excited. Um, he, he, I talked to him today about how what he projects their win count to be and where he sees them. He's very confident that they'll make the SEC tournament. Um, me personally, I think they'll probably be. I think they'll improve on the record of last year. I think they'll more be like a thirty-six and twenty team. I think they'll be able to pick up some of those close SEC wins that they dropped last year. They went <clears throat> they went seven and twenty-three last season in the SEC. I think they improved that. I think they're probably this year will probably have probably around 12 wins, 12 or 13. Um, I think they'll be good enough. That, and it, their ceiling, of course, is making it to a, an NCAA tournament regional. Um, I think that's around their their ceiling. Um, but I think they can definitely make it to the SEC tournament this year, especially when you have a team like Missouri that's still ineligible this season. There's you know, Alabama got unlucky last year, and there was that one slot. Uh, and, and 13th that <clears throat> they ended up losing a tiebreaker um, to not make it to Hoover this year or last year. But like I said, ceiling, I think they're, they're re- NCAA regional team um, bottom. Of course they finished 13th again, but um, definitely an improvement, but it will have to kind of wait and see how these young pitchers perform. They signed five, I believe it was, it was five pitchers, uh, our, our freshmen that, that come in in this, in this uh, 2020-2021 recruiting class. So um, we'll just have to wait and see how they how they perform. One of their great pitchers is Jake Eddington. He was the number one overall player in the state of Missouri. So it's not like all these pitchers, you know, are, are completely, you know, still wet behind the ears. You do have some really solid pitchers coming in. But I think pitching is the biggest concern, and it'll be interesting to see how they can perform in non-conference play. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, before I, I started covering out athletics at Bama Central and um, my time with Tuscaloosa News, my brief time as an intern with them, um, covering some football and some prep sports. You know, as a student at Alabama, I, you know, I would keep tabs on the baseball team. And I remember I was at a game last season when Arkansas came to town. It was a Saturday game, Joey. You were probably there covering it. And, <laughs> Al- and, and, and Alabama won 10 to nothing. And Arkansas mm-hmm. was one of the best teams in the country. But on that Saturday, and I know your Friday guy is probably your best guy. Saturday, obviously, second best guy. And Alabama won that game ten to nothing. And um, I, I believe it was out without Sam Prater as well. One you know one of the best players Alabama has, and because he was hurt, 
and uh, you know, just a just a big win for them. And I remember that. I remember there was some buzz going around saying, you know, like there was the young stars are really performing that day. And it's like, man, you know, a glimpse into what next year could look like, getting a big win like that. And you know, um, that was just you know a little bit of a snapshot into what twenty twenty is hopefully going to look like for the Crimson Tide. <laughs> Agreed. Exactly with you know. That was going to be my next point. Sam Prater is a huge leader on this team. You know, he's only a redshirt sophomore. Um, but, you know, he only played six games last year before he went out with a season-ending uh, elbow injury. Um, but Sam Prater is the heart and soul of this team. It's been great watching him in, in, in spring camp, playing next to his teammates. You can tell he's kind of the – he's he's the, the jokester of the group. But it's going to be he, – he was he, – I think, believe in those six games he had already hit – I can't remember the exact home run count, but I think going in through those six games, he was leading the team in home runs. I won't say the number because I can't remember what exactly it was. But he's he's got a great bat. He's got great leadership capabilities, which you love to see in a catcher. Um, and having him come back, and if he can stay healthy this season, he'll be a huge um, uh, returner for Alabama going forward. Yeah, well, I, uh, you know, I know you're covering the baseball team. Um, but it's gonna. I think. I think it's gonna be an exciting year because um, you know only only a few SEC only what thirteen SEC wins over the last two seasons. Um, <laughs> you know, really. I mean, Brad is gonna. I, I believe he's gonna have this team good. I'm buying into the hype, and uh, you'll have us covered all season on BamaCentral.com. And and Joey, thanks again for coming on. And uh, yeah, look forward. Look forward to uh, to your baseball coverage. Anytime, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. And as always, keep reading on BamaCentral.com. Have a great day.